Thank you for downloading this sermon from Christ the Word Church. If you would like more information on how Christ the Word is reaching, raising, and teaching generations in Northwest Ohio and Southeast Michigan, please visit us online at ChristTheWord.com. So we are spending our summer talking about the Lord's Prayer. And I believe this is a necessary series because prayer is not natural. We don't know how to pray and, and often we neglect to pray. It's hard to get prayer into our day, right? It's easy to fall in love with the traditions of men and the ways of religion, but the words that Jesus gave to us are not empty vessels. We don't want our hearts to grow deaf to the words he gave us. In fact, the petitions in this prayer And remember, a petition is is just a request of God. It's asking God to do something. And so the petitions in the Lord's Prayer contain in them the requests, any requests that we, we could make, that we could even possibly think of if we actually think about the words that Jesus gave to us. And so like all of God's word, it's it's not meant to be read once or said once and be done. But if we have ears to hear and eyes to see, then, then when we look at these words and we start to think on them and meditate them and lift them up to the Lord, we begin to see that there is an internal spring of understanding and wisdom. And so our hope is that God uses this series to do just that, that it gives us a fresh take on the Lord's Prayer and that the Spirit blesses your life and blesses this church Uh, through this prayer and what he will do through it. And so two weeks ago, Jordan unpacked the first petition or request of the prayer that goes, hallowed be your name. He called us to give God honor and glory and praise that he is due. And he called us to change. Change not only what we say with our lips, but with our actions as well. And so tonight, we are gonna look at the second petition of the Lord's Prayer that goes, your kingdom come. So, please stand for the reading of God's word. I'll read and we'll jump in. It goes, and when you are praying, Jesus said, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The word, uh, the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Father, bless this evening. Lord, be with me. Be with my words. Give them power and stir in our hearts. Make us live today for your kingdom and rejoice that it's coming. Amen. So I, I, I remember a year ago driving down Central, and the one thing that you noticed that was just hard to miss as you drove down central was the number of help wanted signs now i think some of those signs are still there 
you know, the, the, the highlighting of, of better wages and uh, just kind of really the begging for anybody who has a heartbeat to, to come and work for them. You know, and if you talk to people who make those decisions to hire, it's not like this has changed. In fact, it's still the same. Some businesses still have the sign up, but for the most part, it seems like it's old news. I bring this up because it is a disease for our culture and our world today. Laziness and the refusal to work is a disease that impacts more than businesses. And it's in the church as well. I remember reading an article while I was scrolling through Google News. And it was an article commenting on an ad, a work ad, that the organization X29, which is a, a national worldwide church planting organization, put out. And in this ad, they were asking men uh, to come and work for them. They were asking for church planters, and they were offering uh, what seemed to be a, a greater amount of money if they would just come and plant churches with this organization. Now, I don't know how much they paid in the past, and I, I don't know much more about uh, the organization and how they, they seek after these church planters, but I remember the article was making the point to say that Acts 29 used to have no problem finding people to plant churches, to finding men to be pastors of these churches. But now even they are desperate for anyone. And it would be easy to say that the church is just following the culture of the world. But I think that the world has followed in the laziness of the church. For the church has stopped calling men and women to live for the kingdom of God. And its leaders are lazy and have stopped calling its sheep, you and me, to live for God's glory. The disease of laziness we see spreading through the world is the disease that began in the church. And so my point for us tonight is this. What are you living for today? Are you living to build the kingdom of God? Are you, or are you sitting on the sideline waiting for God to do something? So first, let's unpack this idea of what is the kingdom of God. When we pray, Father, your kingdom come, we are asking God to bring all things under his control. God's kingdom is the reign of God over men and creation. So when we pray, your kingdom come, we are not enabling God or giving him permission. He doesn't need us to do that. After all, when did God's rule begin? Was it not before the foundations of the world? So when we pray, we are asking God to remove the barriers that keep all of us, including creation, from obeying his rule and his authority. For God's reign is perfect and ultimate. There is no authority like his and no power equal to him. He is the God over all creation who formed creation with his words alone. The kingdom of God, therefore, is anywhere where God's creation is submitting and giving him praise. So, the reality is 
we don't always experience that. Other forces and foes contest his authority. We know that even now God rules over creation. Psalm 2 says he sits over the earth and laughs at the plans of man and nations. We know he is ruling even now. However, other forces are working against this rule. Ephesians 2 says that we were once enemies of God, followers of the prince of the air. This prince of the air is Satan. And we were a part of his kingdom before God made us new, before he called us out of that darkness and into his light. And it's not just Satan and his army of minions, but we too oppose God's rule and prefer another, don't we? Even if you are born again, you understand how hard it is to submit to the rule of God in your life. In fact, the temptation to disobey God is the battle we continue to fight in this life as God is working in us and through us to destroy our old self and to glorify us in his son's blood. So when we pray, your kingdom come, we are asking God to remove any barrier, any temptation that keeps us from obeying and submitting to his reign and his authority in our life. We are asking God to make our heart obey his control, that governments and nations would follow his wisdom and his way, that the world would stop following sin and that and the prince of the air and would repent from their disobedience, their stubborn and proud heart and follow the true king. And this is the heart of this petition, your kingdom come, that God's creation would submit and, uh, and to his rule and to his authority. And so when we pray this, this is what we're asking for. We're asking for God to, to, for us to submit to God's rule and to his authority. And so this is the kingdom of God. Wherever God's rule and his authority is submitted to, we get to see the glory of his kingdom. And so in one way, we know his kingdom. We know it in a, in a way that's present with us, and yet it's not quite there. In one way, it's, it's already present. We've talked about this already, but we know that he has made us new creatures and has given us a new heart already. He has given us a new family, the church, to be a part of, to love, and to enjoy. And he is making all things new for his praise and glory right now for those whom he loves. We even get a little taste of what it is every Sunday morning as we come together for worship. Even the camping trip, I think someone mentioned this already, but even the camping, maybe it was AJ, uh, even the camping trip was kind of a, a you know, a, a glimpse of, of being together, of enjoying one another, enjoying God's creation, having fun and, and having serious conversations about God. And yet, we know that this isn't always how life goes. In another way, we are still living in a world that does not seek to glorify God. We do not always seek to obey God. We give in to temptation daily without even thinking about God. And Paul says in Romans that he does what he does not want to do. 
And we understand this because we too are tempted to do the things that we don't want to do and in fact often give in to those things. And so God's kingdom therefore is here in part and yet there's still more to come. It's not fully here. So we live with the tension of having the privilege of knowing God and his goodness in part but still wrestling with the brokenness of the world and our own flesh still today. While we wait for the day and the one day, the glorious day, when all creation will one day see the full array of the goodness of Jesus. And that day is still to come. But we can still experience some of that goodness now, can't we? And so as we pray, your kingdom come, we are not just lifting up our voices alone. Jordan mentioned this two weeks ago, that, that prayer isn't, it's not just a request that we send off and expect God to do something while we kind of just chill in our seat. But prayer is going to God and asking him to do something. And then by faith, we go out and do, expecting God to do something great through us. So when we pray, your kingdom come, we are going out building his kingdom and using the gifts that he has given to us to make much of God in this world today. If this is the kingdom of God submitting to his rule and commands, then are you living to build his kingdom? Or are you out there working, are you out there working for his kingdom? Or are you sitting out? Are you submitting to his rules and his commands? Or are you living your own life? I remember in high school uh, playing football that you know, we were at a big school so a lot of people came out for the team and, and not everybody got to play. And I remember there was always a group of guys that, that would come out and they would never get to play. They would endure the, the hot summer heat of two-a-days. They would endure the grueling practices. They would endure the coaches getting in their, their face. And they would stand on the sideline. And they were happy with that. And I remember going up and asking, like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, you could be doing anything else. You don't even get to play. But they were just happy just being right there. They didn't get the joy of being a part of the game. Oop, sorry about that. They didn't get the joy of being a part of the game. They were okay with just being there. And I think often we're okay with just sitting in here. We're okay with just being right here. We're just along for the ride. God has given us this great gift of knowing him, of empowering us through his spirit, of telling others about him. And yet, we sit with it and we bury it. And my question to you is, is this you? Are you sitting on it? Are you sitting on the, 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 the opportunities that God has given you to go out and work for his glory? expecting and seeing him do, to do, you know, do great things? Or are you standing on the sideline? And I think we like to mock those who live in their mother's basement, playing video games and working at Starbucks. But what about you? 
you know, they're not doing much. They're just bums, we would say. But, but are you a bum in the kingdom of God? Are you fighting your sin? Fighting for your marriages? Fighting for your families? Or are you living quietly under the banner, I still have time for Jesus tomorrow? Do you not realize that God has made you in his image and redeemed you with his blood and has made you members of his royal family? He has given us this new life so that we act for his kingdom now. Not wave around our Jesus stickers, put them on our Nalgene bottles and our Macs, sit on our hands and wait for him to come. We now, today, are a part of his kingdom and get to the privilege to serve in it. So what are you doing? And Jesus tells a parable in Matthew 25 saying, for the kingdom, for it is, oh, sorry, for it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to the other two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. And he went on this, his journey. Immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gave five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I've gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Also, the other one who had received two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I've gained two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one also who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank. With, uh, and, I, and on arrival, I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has, who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I want to focus on the actions of these servants, these slaves. You know, the first two that came up to Jesus, they came... Uh, they came up to their master and they received their talents. And a talent is 
a large amount of money. It's a, a, a measurement or a unit of weight. Uh, and so, you know, we don't really know how much money it was. We know it was significant. It was a significant amount of money. You know, when the first one received five and the second received two, they received different amounts, but they immediately sprang into action, living for their master's kingdom. And I think there are some here who do this. I know there are some in this, this body that immediately jump at the opportunity to build the kingdom of God. I think of Linda Whittington, who gives up so much of her time to serve families in this church. And, makes us, and it makes us praise her for it. But it gives glory to God. You know, A.J. Seckner, you know, every Sunday morning, we get to see the joy of him playing the drums as he joyfully makes noise for his Savior. And even this week, a young man in our church, Harry Doherty, he, was, he went out of his way to help Anna Myers help with the kids' camp. I don't know if he was even asked, but he did it, and he was there to serve her. You know, he was jumping on an opportunity to serve his God by serving Anna. You know, this is a glory to our church. And there are many here who give up possessions, time, money, that go unnoticed, who, like the first two servants, take what God has given to them and get right to work building God's kingdom. And yet many of us are like the third servant. Take this life and bury it in the ground. We let the fears of losing this world or having control keep us from living for God's kingdom. Like this servant, we think the world is hard and we live as if God is a harsh master rather than a loving father. This servant was given much from God. The talent he received was still a lot of money, even if it wasn't the same amount as the first two. He should have sprung up, just like they did, to go out and, and build for their master, to make much of what he was given. But pride kept this man from working for the kingdom of his master. And instead, he told his master he believed him to be a hard man and that he would just gave it back. Here it is. This is yours. Pride keeps us from working in God's kingdom. And this is sin. And it's an attitude. It's an attitude of sin. It's an attitude that's in us. You know, God has given us so much in this church. He's given us so much in our life, right? More than we could ever imagine. He's given us his only son and forgiven our sins. Man, he's given us a new life. He's given us families. He's, he's taken us on one direction of life of destruction, and he's completely changed it on a trajectory that is life forever. And yet, we refuse to do anything for him. This is pride. God has given us more than we could ever imagine. And out of fear of the what if, we do nothing with it. We cannot live cradling the what ifs in our life. Um, Jackie and I had an opportunity to go to Turkey 
And uh, we thought it'd be cool to check out one of the underground cities. Um, it's kind of neat. I don't know if David's brought that up in class before, but um, you know, it looked cool. It looked fun. Uh, so we thought, let's do it. Uh, we got there and immediately you start to descend into the city and it's kind of a wide staircase at first and you know, it wasn't so bad. It wasn't so bad until we got in and it's just kind of barely lit uh, with you know, some shady lights on the side and there was one dude uh, chilling in this, this little room uh, as we got down into the cave and immediately uh, my mind started to flood with all these what ifs. You know, I mean, this thing's been here for, for a long time, um, maybe thousands of years, maybe, I, you know, it's just been there for a long time. It's, it's been standing and they've been excavating, you know, people come to this place all the time and, and it's stood. But immediately as we get down here, you know, I start thinking about all the what ifs that could happen. And so we begin to go further into it. And as we start going down, you know, I'm, all these what ifs continue to consume me and we start going down this little narrow like pathway. And I mean like, you know, I'm not a small guy, but you know, I'm like feeling like, oh my goodness, this is what Andrew feels like in every hallway, I think, you know. But you know, this is, uh, this is, this is really something that I, had, I started to, I think I have a little panic attack. I said, Jack, I can't do it. And so, uh, and so we actually went back up and now I was thankful, you know, she was brave, but uh, I was thankful she actually admitted, probably for my sake, it was definitely for my sake that, uh, that she was scared too. But, uh, but we ended up not seeing all eight floors. We made it to two, you know, because of that what if. And, and I missed out on something that may have been cool, may have been memorable, but I believe there are many here tonight that are missing out on the greatest work that God has given to his children to do. And that is to build his kingdom. And you live with these what ifs. What if my children walk away from me if I call them to do great things for God? What if my friends in school don't want to hang out with me if I begin to talk about Jesus and the Bible? What if I fail again in this particular sin? What if I can't do it? We will never get off the bench and begin the work God has made us to do if we live under the reign of the what-ifs rather than God's rule and reign over us. We must have faith that God will do great things through us as we pray and work to build his kingdom. When we refuse to give God what is rightfully his and fail to do what he expects, we are refusing to live in his kingdom. Just like the third slave, we are proud and without hope. And so the warning to us is this. God expects his people to do something, and many will be cast out who choose to sit on the sidelines. And so what do we do? And the answer is simple. Do something. Begin with repenting of your sin. Confess your sin. Take your sin to God. Ask for forgiveness. And move on. Trust that God will give you strength to overcome your sin and fight. Paul says in Philippians 3, Brethren, I, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it, the fullness of the life to come. Yet, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, 
I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Seek out someone to love in our church. There are plenty of new people who have been visiting and coming. Seek them out and have them over for dinner. Serve them. Start taking your family serious. Stop wasting your time for another free night to begin devotions with your family. I know I have to fight this. I have to fight my desire to procrastinate. Men, start praying with your wife. Jackie and I have, have fought to make this a practice every night. And we're still working on it. But just start living. Build the kingdom of God now in your home. Stand up for God. Ladies, be diligent with the work God has given you to do. You have a great and wonderful call raising up the next generation. There is no greater calling than teaching children the word of God and spending time praying with them. The world does not care about children, but the kingdom of God is made because of faithful mothers, both biologically and those in the church, who trust that God will use their work to his glory. And I think some of us let our fears keep us from living to build the kingdom of God. We cannot let the fears of the what if keep us from seeking opportunities for the building of God's kingdom. Of course we're going to fail and fall short when we're, we're doing these things. We're going to. It's going to happen. But keep going. Strive for the upward call that he's given to us. Even Nathan mentioned this this morning. Gideon wasn't perfect, but he still went for it. And that's what it is to live by faith. To say that God is going to do this, and I'm going to put it all on him. And I'm going to go where he calls me to go and do what he asked me to do. So in conclusion, my hope is as we pray, your kingdom come, you and I will live our life toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That when you appear to God, he says to you, well done, good and faithful servant. I pray that the kingdom of God is not a sideline experience for you, but that you embrace the kingdom work God has given you. Let me pray. Father, thank you for this this opportunity, and I pray that, Lord, your word uh, goes forth. Lord, I pray your spirit moves in our hearts to live for your kingdom. Lord, that you conquer the fears in our heart, that we, that we stop living in the what-ifs, and we start living for your kingdom, to go out and to live, to call this world, to call our homes, to call ourselves, to live under your reign and your control. And I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.